It's good to be here again today to share God's word with you and to um, encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning that life is real and that the battle's real. And um, let's not give up. Let's not throw in the towel, but um, to press on to the mark and to to live for Him. So <clears throat> I got a song here. It's one of my favorite songs. We sang here many times. We're going to sing it again today, Lord willing. It is um, 824 in the black book, and I think about 32 in the 30s in the in the purple book. But I would like to do so. I think it's only five verses in there, and I'm not sure what two verses are there. But we'll just sing the first four. Hopefully it's the same ones that are here while we calm the fragile nerves. Okay? So I would like for you to stand to your feet with me this morning as we sing this song. And I would like to, um, I would like to sing this song this way. So the first verse, everybody sings, so we're, okay. So the first verse, we all sing soprano, okay? The second verse, we all sing, everybody sings soprano, except those who want to sing alto. So we'll have soprano and alto. And the third verse, we're going to ask for the tenors to come in while every, all everybody else is singing soprano and their parts for those who want to carry the part. And then the first, fourth verse, um, we'll sing the bass will come in. We'll sing all the verses. So the Bible says to to always to 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 rejoice always. So this song here it says to give give to our God immortal praise. And um, <clears throat> I, I like the words of this song. It says, "Give to our God immortal praise. Mercy and truth are all His ways. Wonders of grace to God belong. Repeat His mercies in your song." So do you have a song on your heart this morning? Um, yesterday, this verse, was, this song was going through my mind. It started about 8.30. It was going through my mind most of the day. And then I heard some devastating news, and then my song switched. And, so, <laughs> and I don't know that song. So that I was kind of halfway singing, but I remembered the words. So let's, so let's sing this song. <clears throat> okay, everyone. Let's all sing like we mean it. Give to our God immortal praise, mercy and truth are all His ways, wonders of grace to God belong.
be seated. Thank you. If you have a Bible this morning, or if you have your electronics, you can get them turned on. And, um, and turn to Exodus chapter 3. This is just a... This is just a little pre-sermon. I have been encouraged many times by people that they like these little pre-sermons. But sometimes these pre-sermons turn into a message. So I'm not sure what's going to happen this morning, but we're, we're going to launch in and we're going to see what happens this morning. And I'm not sure how far we're going to get with a message this morning. So I actually prepared two messages this morning, but we're going to start with this little pre-sermon. And this is birthed out of something I have read um, Many times this past week, every morning I tried to read it and say, God, what are you trying to tell me this morning? What are you trying to say through this simple story in Exodus 3? Just a simple six verses, but then we're going to look in Exodus 4, and um, we're going to see what God wants us to learn. <clears throat> and then um, my sermon was birthed out of the things that are going on in, in our country today, and... Um, the anxieties that are happening with people and, and just like, and then some devastating news I heard yesterday I want to share with you. And you keep this on your prayer list because it's, des- it's a desperate need and I want to share that with. But, but it's just all these things come together and I'm just like, God, where are you? <clears throat> so let's read that in Exodus chapter 3. <clears throat> Sorry. And now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father. And the priests of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Orb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Now, can you imagine if you were out there and you saw this bush burning out there in the Sahara Desert, so to speak. And like, what is going on with this thing? Because most of the time we feel as, as we see a fire lit, it eventually consumes what it is burning. OK, I don't see buildings standing and they're engulfed in flames and the building is still. Can you imagine what the Halsey Fire Department and the news would the media would be saying if they would see a building on fire, but it don't, is not consumed? They said, what is the problem? There is something different about this. <clears throat> So let's continue to read. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Thank you. And why this bush is not is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not near nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet and from the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. <clears throat> Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. You know, God isn't interested in the bush this morning. Did you know that? God is not inter- was not interested in that bush this morning. So what is the burning bush in your life this morning? You know what God is? Uncle Sam has this. Uncle Sam has this, has this saying. Uncle Sam wants you. Do you ever see that little logo? Uncle Sam wants you. Well, this morning, I, 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 I plan on your heart this morning that God wants you. God is interested in you as an individual. And so that's what we see right here. God is interested in you. He wants you to work in his vineyard. But many times um, I am not at a place where God can use me. And so Moses, he was here. He fled to the wilderness. Because he tried to deliver the Israelis, the Israelites by his own strength, by his own power. And we all, hopefully we all have a heart this morning. You, those who are born again, have a heart this morning. God, here am I. Use me. But many times we are not in a place where God can use us. And so here we find that Moses was, um, God is calling Moses to himself. He says, I want you to deliver these, my people, the children of Israel, out of the bondage. And so there is people in bondage today that maybe you can touch this morning. Maybe you can, you have the key to their heart. Maybe you have a relationship with these people where you are the only one that God wants to use you to help to find, to bring people out of bondage by God's power and by God's grace. God wants you to 
to for wants you to serve him. In verse seven, it says it, it reads like this. <clears throat> Let me see if I can find a place here. And it's verse seven. It says like this. And he said, I, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. God see the affliction that were that his people were in. And he also didn't only see their affliction, but he heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster. And he said, I know their sorrows. God was not blind to all these things. God saw where his people were. And today there's people sitting in bonds today. And they're, they're crying out. They look for answers in all the wrong places. But maybe you are the one here, the sitting here this morning has the answer to a person that is crying out for help. And people that are in bondage, that are crying out, that are reaching out this morning, they use all kinds of reasons and they're looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, I like that children's lesson. It is Christ that has the answer. He is the one. Okay, he said, so in verse 8, it reads like this. He said, I am come down to deliver them, the, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them out of the land which is, good, which is good. He wants to bring people. He wants to bring the children of Israel out of, the, out of bondage into a land that flows with milk and honey. And I would like to suggest to you that God wants to bring people out of bondage into a land flowing with milk and honey. He wants to bring you into the fold, into God's, God's kingdom. We have a kingdom that we're to be excited about. But are you excited about the kingdom that you are helping to build? Many Christians today are, de- are cast down. They're discouraged. They're dismayed. And we're going to talk about some of that time later if we have time. And by the way, um, you're the one that's going to be allotted to when it hits 12 o'clock. You raise your hand. I said the first guy that sits on the first chair. So that'd be Timothy. But, you know, you happen to sit there. So we'll get that straight right now. So you're the elected one. And don't forget. And it helps me to remember, like, you know what? Somebody else is watching. <clears throat> and you got your cell phone right there. You're all good to go. Okay, now, where we are we here? And so then Moses, he has this, he has this question. You know, God, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe who I said I am. And God says, you know what? You know what you tell them? What did he say? What did he tell Moses? Anybody? Deliver them out of the hand of e- out of the land of Egypt. But Moses, he he has this, he has a struggle going on. He said, "Who am I?" And basically, I'm going to put this all in my own my own verbiage. He said, "Who am I that I should do this?" He said, "You know what? These guys aren't going to believe me. I'm just going to come blown back into town, and all of a sudden, I have the answer to to, to to this. They're going to remember what I did years ago, and I killed these Egyptians. I buried them in the sand. I did all these types of things, and I had to run for my life." And God says, "Wait a minute." He said, in, in uh, verse 13, he says, <clears throat> he said, Moses said unto God, Behold, I am come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, And the God of their fathers have sent me unto you. And what is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children, I am has sent me. You know, it's hard. I can imagine what Moses struggled with. You know, who am I? Who am I? You know, there's vast amounts of these Israelites. And here I am, blowing back into town. I'm, I'm rolling back into town. And you know, I have the key. I have the answer. And these people are going to say, are you crazy? Are you crazy? But God says, you tell them that I am. So now we're going to look at all the excuses that Moses used. And you know what? I'm going to piggyback my name right there with you. You know what? Sometimes God may ask me or you to do something, and guess what happens? We have we use the same excuses, and so we're going to look at these excuses. And so Moses he starts making these excuses in verse chapter four, in verse one. And Moses and Moses answered said, "Behold, they will not hearken unto me; they will not believe me." And God, and so God he goes, "What's in your hand?" He said, "He said a rod." He said, and then he then he um. <clears throat> He said, cast it on the ground. And what did it become? It came a serpent. And Moses looked, whoa, he's going to run. But God tells him, grab it by the tail and it becomes, it becomes another, it becomes a rod again. You know, that wasn't enough for Moses. So then what did he do? He said, put your hand in your bosom, put your hand in your coat, so to speak. And And he said, pull it back out. Guess what happens? It becomes leprous. So Moses is trying to cockamamie all these excuses 
to God, are you sure? And, and so time after time, there was four things that I have found that he did. He turned his hand to, to leprosy. He said, put it back in. It came back out and it was natural again. And he said, and then the fourth, third thing he did, he said, if they don't believe, he said, take water out of the river and dump it on the, pour it on the ground. What did it become? It became blood. You know. And then as a last ditch effort, and you know what? We as Christians, we use this a time and time again. And you know what? I use this same, <laughs> I use this same excuse this morning. Why well, was studying? Why? Why? You know, there's other people that are way more eloquent speakers than I am. They're way more better at preaching a sermon than I am. They're way better at teaching than I am. And so I use that same excuse. And God says, you know what? You are exactly like, you are exactly like Moses. And you know what Moses said? I am not eloquent of speech. And God says, you know what? I had enough. You know what he, so he told Moses. Let's turn to this in chapter four. Let's see what he told him. Verse 10, he said, Moses said unto the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. That's me. That's you. We use these experiences all the time. You know, when we're supposed to testify for, for the Lord Jesus, neither here unto. And since I have spoken unto the servant, but I am slow of speech and a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Hey, who made the mouth? I did. Who maketh the dumb, the deaf, the seeing, the blind? Not I, the Lord. So God is asking Moses all these questions. And he said, O oh my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And verse 14 is the ultimatum. And God's anger was kindled against Moses. God says, I had enough. You are the chosen elect. You go. And then verse 4, and then down, if we follow this chapter on down, I'm just quickly going over this. And Moses and God told Moses right up front, he said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He will not let your people. He will not let the people go. But this is what you do. And, you know, I have a pamphlet laying on my headboard in my house, in my by my bed that I have read multiple times. And, you know, it's about the ten plagues and what they all meant. And, you know, it was the gods of Egypt that they worshipped. And what was impressive to me was the very last one, the very last God that he nailed to the wall. It was was the Pharaoh himself as a God. You know, when they passed through that Red Sea and the water came over Pharaoh and killed him. And here's the challenge I want to leave for you. Are you going to align our will, my will, with God? You get that? Let me read it to you again. Let's align our will with God. Let's align our will with God. You know, sometimes it's very difficult to do. Number two, I want to lay on your heart. Let's capture God's heart. Let's try to capture God's heart. Do we get that? To capture God's heart. And the third thing I want to lay on your heart is don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Do not give the enemy a seat at your table. And many times we feel like we can negotiate with the enemy and we're going to somehow come out on the other side as a shining knight. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. He will win every time and you will be the loser. I hate to pop your bell, but that's the way it is. We cannot afford to give the enemy at the seat of our table. And I'm here to tell you this morning, this is very discouraging, but I'm here to tell you this morning, many Christians across society have gave place to the devil at this, at, they have given a, t uh, a seat at their table. And let's not do that. Okay, for the next 20 minutes. <clears throat> I hope you were encouraged. Let's turn to Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. <clears throat> Second Thessalonians chapter one. Let's read. Start in verse uh, seven here, and to uh, let's go to on down to. Um, we're going to skip a few verses here on the end here of chapter one, and then we're going to roll right into chapter two, and we're going to read um, several verses there. Okay, here we go. Second <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter one, verse seven, starting to you who are troubled, rest with us <clears throat> with the Lord Jesus 
shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he shall come to be glorified in the saints and he shall be admired in all them that believe because their testimony among them. You was among you was believed in that day. Chapter 12. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye shall not be soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there be there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposed and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worship so that he as God sitteth in the temple of as he God sitting sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know that with withholding that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of the iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth, now letteth will, will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the work of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of run righteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusions that they shall believe a lie, that they might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So we'll just quit there. So this morning. I would just like to share with you having a hope in a shaking world. You know, we live in a world today where everything is shaking. I mean, people are scared. People have tremendous amount of fear. And even in even in our Christian circle, so to speak, I mean, there's just a tremendous amount of fear that's going on. What's going to happen here? What's going to happen in the next four years? What's going to happen to these diseases that are going around? These And, and so we and it, it just seems like. We have a hard time just moving forward with God. We have a hard time trying to trying to keep our heads heads above water, so to speak. We we look at the news, we we read the news, we hear the news. However, however you get it, and we like what's going to happen while everything is shaking to the core. But I'm here to tell you, lift up your head because redemption draweth nigh. And Christian, this morning, if you are a Christian here this morning. There is a hope. There is you can have a steadfast hope in a shaking world. This this whole economy, the world as we you and I know is shaking like a leaf in the wind. And you know what? We have to remember. I'm here to encourage you this morning that God is in control of all things. And let's not forget, it is He. Remember several. Let's well, probably, probably who knows how long ago. Remember. Some time ago, I talked about the cosmos and the stars and how God put them all out there. And, you know, how people thought there was only 5,000 stars until they got these big, huge witch majiggers that they can see way out in space. And they, and they recognize there's billions and millions of stars. And the Bible says that he knows them all by name. And he got, guess what? He even knows the number of hairs that are on your head today. You know, he, probably when I showered this morning, he could knock a few more off. I don't know. But, however, God is interested in your in the details of your life. Okay, so let's not forget that God is sitting on the throne and He is watching. He is waiting for you to come to Him, and that, that our security and that our anchor is in Him as our hope and stay in these turbulent times. Okay, we'll never get through this in the next fifteen minutes. So I can I apologize. I apologize. I'm just going to have to read what I have penciled down here. And so I just wrote, uh, so as we read the scripture, you'll see here after a while. And some of this is just a burden of some things I heard yesterday. Just like, what the world is this world coming to? <clears throat> and we'll talk about that if I don't forget. 
Okay, the set is stage, the, the stage is set for the drama of the ages. There are too many, and we already talked about some of this. There are too many Christians that are troubled, unsettled, because with the last day out of the control thought process, what is going to happen when Jesus comes back? Will my name be written in the book? I am here to tell you, by all surety, you can tell, you can know if your name is written there. The Bible, I read it again this morning, I was sitting there. If your name is not written in the book of life, you are not going to, you are not going to be with the King of Kings through all glory. You will be cast out. <clears throat> Make sure, let's get that straight. Make sure your name is, is, is written in the book of life. And that God knows your name. You know, we live in the last days. The last days has begun when? when? When Jesus ascended. Years ago, they were looking for Him to come back. You know, if there's ever a day, we are that much closer to the end. And, you, and I'm... He is soon to appear with glorious appearing of some of the world events that are taking on. And they're happening around us. He is soon to make His appearance. And I don't know how soon. I'm not here to tell you how soon. You know, people have tried to t tried that several years ago. They were wrong. The Bible plainly says we don't know the the time or the hour when he's going to. Be, but let's be prepared. Our job is to continue to share the gospel, the good news. The last days began when Jesus ascended. And how much closer is he there? We have been living on the edge of eternity. Jesus can come back any moment. You know, this past week, <clears throat> I think it was just about Thursday, <clears throat> a guy I worked with, his sister, was going out Brownsville Road. And they don't know exactly what happened. One of the Guerrero girls, the youngest one, some of you know who she is. <clears throat> I don't even know what her name is. I just know it's the youngest one. She just got her license. <clears throat> She's 18 years old. Haven't had her license real long. And they don't know exactly what happened. But her brother uh, told me, he said, it, it almost appears like she got into gravel and she overcorrected and this vehicle, this Jeep, rolled multiple times. And uh, they thought she had a broken leg, but they hauled her in and uh, it was just badly bruised. And this is what he said. This is what he said. He said, if she... <laughs> If she had not her seatbelt on, she would not be here today. The, the closest they can tell, there isn't a straight panel on that vehicle. And the closest thing he can tell, he said, that vehicle has rolled multiple times. And the first thing I thought, of, thought is, you know what? It's by God's grace and mercy upon her. She is not a Christian. She would have been hurled into eternity away from God forever. That's the first thing that came to my mind. It's a very sobering thought process. That she would be facing eternity today. Away from God. Forever. And if you try, i got an imagination station that don't quit. And I have tried and tried to, 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 to visualize forever. What does that mean? Forever. And try to wrap my mind around until you start just going in circles. Forever. Christian, we as Christians are not to be upset or dismayed or jittering. Our hands are hanging down. Too many of us Christians are we're discouraged in these last days. The Bible says this cling to that promise where, where God exhorts us to lift up our heads for redemption driveth nigh. We are not supposed to be dismayed. In verse one of chapter, verse seven of chapter one, it says, "And you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed." Does anyone want to take a guess at what that word means? That revealed means to be unveiled. So the Lord Jesus, that he would unveil himself and that we could see him as, excuse me, as he is. We are living in dark days today. We are not to be dismayed. We are living in dark days, but they are gloriously dark. The Christians, if we have anything to trumpet about, it is, it's not Donald Trump. But if we have anything to trumpet about, it is about the King of Kings is coming. And let His order our lives according to the roadmap that we have. And let's live lives that would honor Him, that would glorify Him. You know, many people, and we'll talk about this later, maybe. 
What about Moses when he crossed the Red Sea, taken out of Exodus 14? You know, he, he, you know, the, sometimes the darkest hour is just before dawn. Can you imagine Moses there? You Bible readers, you all know this story, but I, I feel like, in, I feel prompted to tell you again when Moses stood before with a whole herd of people behind him that were, and, and Moses and Pharaoh was behind him. What was going to happen when they were faced with the Red Sea before them? You know, the darkest hour comes just before dawn. So it's important that we understand that. The dark, when we are faced with dark times, and Moses tells the people, stand by for a redemption draw night, putting in my own words. And God says, hey, stretch out your hand, stretch out your rod. The waters are going to separate. I will be light to you and darkness to Pharaoh. And then when the children of Israel passed through, and the children of Israel, you all know that story. They murmured and complained. And you know what? I'm going to be the first one to say, you know what? I would probably be in that band. I'd probably be in a band. You know, Moses, what do you think you're doing here? You know, we're in a serious jam. There is no way we can cross that Red Sea. But you know what? Or am I going to allow God to be God? What about Joseph? You know, sometimes God has you in a strategic place in your life. Why? Hey, you know what? Why weren't you born 500 years ago? Why? Have you ever thought about that? Have you? Amen. I have too. I think, you know, why wasn't I born 500 years ago? Life would be so much easier. Maybe. Maybe. But, you know, God has you here in a strategic place because he wants you to be where you are at today. Okay? So Moses, or I mean, sorry. So Joseph, as he found himself... With it, with amosity of his brothers against him, how can you, can you imagine? You know, in our family, this isn't the way this this train works here. We all, by and large, we all love each other, and you know, you know, at the end of the day, we have these we have these fights going on once in a while. But at the end of the trail, at the end of the trail, we just love each other. You know, the other night, the other night, I was uh, sitting in my chair and I was feeling kind of like um, I'll just put it this way. I had a crank that already turned one way. And my wife asked me, what is wrong with you? I said, I don't know. I don't know. And my two youngest, I'm just being honest here. I'm just being flat out honesty is, is good medicine, okay? I said, I don't know. And my two oldest children, they were gone. And I was like, when are they going to get home? And the minute they stepped in the door, my parameter whoo, went right up. I was, I was okay. I was good to go. We sat down. We started dialogue. We started visiting. The whole atmosphere changed. So if you don't want to know, I want you home by 9 o'clock. You'll know why. <laughs> because it's important to me. And you say, well, your wife is sitting there. That should be good enough. I want us all together. But, you know, we're called to love each other. We're called to reach out to one another. And as Joseph finds himself, and I guess I just, but as Joseph finds himself down there in Egypt, away from his family, away from everything he knows, in, in a foreign land, and he's down there trying to do the will of God. And here, this wife of Potiphar, what a wretched woman, woman, tried to seduce him. And he's like, no. And what does he, what does he leave her hanging with? His coat, and he ran. Young men, remember that. You will at times meet circumstances that may not be that dire or that whatever, but run. Just run. And if you purpose deep within your heart, you will not defile yourself with the king's meat. It will save you a lot of grief, a lot of trouble. And now... She fabricates this story. I've said this here before. She's a wonderful fabricator. She could fabricate the lies. It's too bad she wasn't working for CNC News. But she could fabricate these lies that were not true. And here we find Joseph in a dungeon because of these lies. And can you imagine with me, as Joseph sits in this, you know, God, I have tried to do it and be faithful to you. I'm just trying to think how he would think. God, I tried to walk with you. I tried to obey you. I tried to keep myself pure and holy before you. And here I sit. But you know what? God did not forget Joseph. 
You know, there's two men down there that had a dream one day. The chief butler and the chief baker. And you know, he reinterpreted his dream. And the one died, got, well, the one died, the other one lived. I think it was the chief butler, he, he lived, he got to live. And you know, when he got released out of prison, you know, he forgot Joseph. Until the king had a dream. The pharaoh had a dream. Now what's going to happen? Ah, I remember. And as, as, the, as, the, as, the, as the pharaoh, he called all his... It says, the scripture Bible says that he tried to get all the, ma- the magicians and the wise people, and they could not answer his dream. And then the chief butler, he remembered. I remember this guy, this, this guy that, was in, that I was in prison with. He can interpretate the dream. Call him up. Get him out of the prison. And you know, he, he was planted in time at a strategic place and time and place where he, where God wanted him. While Pharaoh's world was shaking, here was a person that could bring life to the situation. Here is somebody who could bring answer to the situation. Joseph, he interpreted his dream, but he did not only interpretate it, he gave advice what you should do. And here, O oh Pharaoh, this is what you need to do. You need to do, and he gave, him the, he gave him the key to a solution to the problem. So are you this morning the solution to a problem? Are you the key that, that, that can unlock people who are in bondage this morning? As Joseph Wool, can you imagine if Joseph would have just gave him the answer and just walked off? You know, you are such an idiot because you locked me in that dungeon for no reason at all. And I am not here to help you. And he had this hacked off, sawed off attitude. And he is no help to anybody. You know, so many times, let's just get honest. Sometimes we go there and we are very childish in how we act. Instead of just ministering love upon people. Okay? Let's remember that we are in a prestigious place. While Pharaoh's world was shaking like a leaf in the wind, Joseph had the key to the answer to the problem. And you know, God, he went from he went from a dungeon to the almost he went to right next to Pharaoh. Can you imagine? I mean, it would send you me reeling. All of a sudden, he's vice president, so to speak, and he's in a high in a high place. Okay, <clears throat> our answer is not in politics. Let's get this good. Our answer is not in politics. It is not in sociology. So I found this word, and I'm like, you know, I'm not big on big words. I'm like, okay, I'll use this big word, and I'll try. You know what the, anybody wants to know? Guess what that means? Sociology. Brother Jeremy, do you know? I think it's a study of society. <laughs> That's right. It's a study of human behavior. It's a study of human behavior. And you know, the world thinks if we just study human behavior and we can fix that problem, you know what, guess what? I got some bad news for them. They will never fix the problem. It's like we heard this morning already. Christ is the problem to our human society and to the world's problems. They weren't going to fix it. And neither is it in science. Oh my, we got to clean up. I mean, we got this smog in here. We got to clean up this and yickety yak yak. They just go on and on. We got this clean energy bill going on and on and on we go. And you know, there's a side that I can appreciate that as I was over in China. I'm like, whoa. I can appreciate some of the work that they have done. But you know what? We are living in a world of the earth. The Bible says that it is waxing old like a garment. Let's just face it. But the world, but the world in general feels like we've got to take care of this Mother Earth. It's not going to happen. Just read your Bible, and it will tell you this. Our hope is a sure hope. The second of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we talked about, He's coming soon. The first time He came, He was He was spat upon, He was lied about, He was ignored, He was criticized. How many Christians today? That happens all the time in persecuted countries, and it may come here sooner than later. But I am sure to tell you here, as sure as the Bible is true, that He is coming again. He will be crowned and glorified King of kings and Lord of lords. But there will also be a stark of terror of those who do not know Him. So if you are here this morning and you are not born again, there will be a stark of terror and for those who do not know Him and that have not trusted Him. You know, many times we want to be in control of our own lives. You know, I have watched people who have taken, taken the reins in their own hands and it has always turned out bad. Because they start making choices, they start making decisions that are not good. 
But I'll just stop here and just tell you what happened. So yesterday, as I was leaving the shop, this guy, he started working in there. <clears throat> One of the guys worked in there. He said, hey, and I'm just going to give this as a prayer request. <clears throat> some of you know her. Some of you don't or might know of her. But um, Gary Miller, or Gary Miller, Gary Yoder, his oldest daughter, left home. <clears throat> and this guy that was telling me works with her. And uh, so he told me some of the details. Well, she left home some time ago. She um, moved in with a single lady that was kind of reaching out to her, trying to help help her through some of her deep struggles. She has suicidal thoughts and so forth and so on. It's not good. Well, he just shared with me yesterday. He said, hey, do you know this girl, um, whatever, uh, what's her name? Christina. I said, well, yeah, I know of her. I know her when I see her, but that's about it. I don't know much about the situation. He said, well, he, she left home, and so let's remember her. But she, she um, according to him, which he would know a lot better than I would, she left home, left this lady's place that was trying to reach out to her and trying to minister her. He said that she shacked up with some guy just down, down, down. And I was just like, this cannot be. This cannot be. And, um, and I just simply told him, I said, you know, she has no clue. She has no clue where the end is. That's right. And so this thing was heavy on my mind. And I am here to tell you, church, wake up. Wake up. You know, I come here, there's 75 80 people here this morning. I might be sitting beside somebody and see, looking at somebody this morning who has deep needs. You know, how many people have we missed? How many people have I missed? Because I'm consumed with my own thought process. I'm consumed with what I'm doing. I'm consumed with my own projects. I'm consumed with my own family. I don't have time. And the list goes on and on. We have all these excuses. But how many people have I missed? Because I am so concerned about the things of this life. You know, I was, I was, I was getting ready for church this morning. And I'm just thinking about this whole episode that just happened, that I just heard about. And this thought crossed my mind. The things that I pursue in life seem so cheap in comparison to a soul that it could be lost forever. And if somebody would have just reached out, and I know they tried, people have tried, but I'm just telling you this morning, what if you were the key of someone you know that can help? As we live our lives in this shaky world that offers no answer, they don't have the answer key. And maybe it's just simply listening. I remember several years ago, I was talking to this. I'm just going to call. I'm just going to call him a renegade Mennonite. That's what he was. He wasn't born again. He was raised in a Christian home. The home had some issues, but still, these people. I'm just telling you this morning. I cannot fathom that. You know, I've heard it all. I've heard most of it. I'll put it that way. And they they have all these reasons why we do what we do, but I'm here to tell you on Judgment Day, it's going to look cheap if you're going to try to tell God. Well, I'm. Thank you. If I if I if I am going to stand before God Almighty and and explain why I did what I did, it's going to look cheap, and these excuses are not going to work. And you know, I make choices that are because I'm angry, I'm bitter inside, I'm upset at life, at my mom, at my dad, because of they did, and we have all these reasons. It's not going to work. The first time he came, he came as a he came as a savior. So the now the savior, he's going to come as a judge. When he comes, we do not know. Taken out of Matthew twenty four thirty six to forty two, we will you know, and we will wonder at his coming back. We will look at that and with great rejoicing as the Christian this morning when he comes again. And you know, there's going to be people 
that have been transformed and redeemed that we will like, we all been there. Redeemed by His love, His saving grace, His keeping power. God has taken stubborn, belligerent, God-haters, demonized by the power of lust, drugs, immorality. And they have been made pure, holy, righteous by having the blinded eyes open. Haven't we all been there in one sense of the word? In 1 Corinthians 15.52, it says this, In a twinkling of eye He will come back. Read 1 John 3.12 Be not dismayed. God has everything under His control. We are not to be deceived. Our hope and our anchor is in Christ. <clears throat> the devil, he is out there to destroy you. The devil is a deceiver, a liar, a father of all lies. <clears throat> Excuse me. The devil, he has one agenda for you, and that is to take you down. The devil, he, I heard this morning in a sermon, the devil, and I quickly wrote it down. I thought it was really good. The devil wants to separate you from God Almighty. That is his goal, to separate, put separation between you and God. He is the epitome of evil. He will counterfeit the work of God. And sometimes I see, I see these ministries and I'm like, you know, it looks so good. It looks great. But you know, how much of it? And then there's other things that I look at and it's like, I'm not too sure about this, but you know what? The devil will will show himself as an angel. I have pencil in here. <clears throat> he come, we talked about the beast this morning. He comes as get this and get it well. He comes as an angel of light. Okay, that's what the Bible says, right? <clears throat> he comes as an angel of light, but guess what? Hang on, but he's got the heart of the beast. And don't remember that. And don't forget that. He comes to us as an angel of light, but he has a heart of a beast. Satan desires worship. Remember what happened in Matthew 4? He just wanted a little bit of worship from Jesus. And Jesus wasn't going to give it to him. He just wants worship. The church, get this, and I'm not sure how this all fits in here, but the church, God's people, is a restraint in the power of evil. You know, as I thought about that a little bit, I have read, I have read multiple stories, multiple books, and, it, and I'm just not an avid reader, so it takes me a long time to read a book, which you all know that, that's no secret. But I would like to read books how I see where, where the moving of God's Spirit is upon people. And I read stories where God, where, um, the, in foreign countries where there's witch doctors or whatever it may be, the case may be. And this one guy, he, um, he was a Christian, and um, they were going to have this uh, cobra snake do its They were going to enchant this cobra snake, and it would not do its thing, whatever they do. I never saw it happen. And so this witch doctor, this enchanter, he turns around, and he's like, okay, there's something wrong here. This snake will not do its thing. And he turns around and points to this guy and said, you're the problem. You need to leave. You know, sometimes the, by your presence, by your God-fearing presence, evil is held at bay. I'll never forget a story that I read years and years ago. It goes like this. And there was, um, there was uh, some Christian girls. Some Christian girls, they were traveling um, on the road one day. And they stopped at a rest stop to make a pit stop. And when they were, these girls went into this restroom... And uh, there were some very evil women there. Very evil. And uh, this, this one lady, this, this uh, evil lady, she goes, she told this Christian girl, she said, you don't need to worry. That thing you have in your head protects you. Now get a train load of that. It's important. God's not asking you to just say, you know, I just think that would be a cool thing to do. He's not doing that. There's a reason why he does what he does, right? You know, I just want to make you look a little different. That's not why he does that. You know, you read in 1 Corinthians 11 why he does that. Okay. In Matthew, read Matthew 5, in Matthew 5, read 13 and 16. We're opposed, 13 through 16. We're supposed to be a light and salt. You know, salt preserves. You know, back in the old days, he put salt on, on, on meat to preserve it. Light reveals. You know, we're not to be disappointed. Taken out of 2 Thessalonians 2.8. Jesus is coming for his church. 
He's going to execute judgment. He's going to take vengeance on the world. And the world system, we talked about the wrath of God. And God is not embarrassed about talking about His wrath that He's going to pour out someday. You know, you know, and the question was asked, He said, God, you know, why do you, why do you worship a wrathful God? You know what? I think when we made that statement, you know what? You, you're just asking for the wrath of God. You don't need the wrath of God upon your life. You don't need it. Just walk with Him. Dedicate your life to Him. And He is coming to, I already talked about that, He's coming with incredible power. And conclusion, I just have one sentence here. We have a hope that is steadfast and sure. Let's turn to Luke, Matthew 21. Luke, Matthew 21. And we'll just close with this scripture. Sorry, we went over this so fast. We didn't have time to. All these little quotations that I had, we didn't have time. I just quickly wrote down, tried to get this out quickly. And maybe I should sometimes just divide it up. There's not enough time to just quit. But I'm just going to read Matthew 21 here, starting at 25. And this is what it says. And there shall be signs of the sun and the moon. And the stars upon the earth, the distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves and roaring, men's hearts failing for them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then, Christian, this morning, here is a word for you. Then look up and lift up your heads, for redemption draweth nigh. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for caring about us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that somehow in my faltering tongue and who I am and how you made me, that I could somehow get this message across. And I just pray, Lord, that as we think about what was said, about what we read, Lord, that somehow it would just burrow deep into our heart of hearts, Lord. And it would grow into a beautiful plant. And I just pray for this Yoda girl, Lord. I don't know how to pronounce her name. But Lord, I just pray this morning that you would descend upon her, Lord. That your spirit would descend upon her. That your convicting spirit would descend upon her, Lord. And that she would somehow seek repentance of her rebellion against you. It's not about the rebellion against her parents and her hatred and her animosity against her parents. But ultimately, Lord, it's a rebellion against you. And I somehow pray, Lord, this morning that your searchlight would be turned on upon her heart. That your light of heaven would lighten her darkened heart this morning. And Lord, if there's a heart here that's dark and it's stubborn and it's belligerent, Lord, that it would also lighten that you would send the light of Jesus And that she, this girl, Lord, that would somehow experience the light of Jesus and love in her heart that comes only from you. There is no love out there, Lord, that can fill the place like you can. And I pray, Lord, that she would quit looking in all the wrong places for love, Lord. But, oh God, that she would look to the Father of love. That is you, Lord. Jesus, and we commit her and ourselves to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Roger.